Thank you, Ryan. Um, thank you for noticing the effort that I've put in clothes-wise. Shout out to my wife for getting 20% off this next shirt. Thank you very much. Um, once again, can I extend a welcome to you all? Good to see you all. If you're regulars here, if you're new here, it's really great to have you here with us this afternoon. Uh, whilst you turn to Matthew chapter 25, uh, let me give you a bit of context uh, as to where we are in the Bible Matthew is one of the four Gospels, the accounts of uh, eyewitness events of the life of Jesus. And we're in a series, coming to the end of the series, of uh, the parables, the stories that lead us to Jesus. And that's what the Bible does, it leads us to Jesus Christ. We're in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read it together, not all of it, we're going to read verses 14 to 30. And uh, what we're reading here is what's called a parable. Okay, the Latin word, bit of Latin for you, is parabola. So I'm going back to school tomorrow and I've got to get into the, the pattern of teaching these Latin and Greek words as a religious studies teacher. Parabole, the Greek word, means comparison. Okay, so what we're reading here is Jesus comparing something to what? The kingdom of God. That's what these parables are all about. Jesus is teaching us, he's teaching his disciples primarily, but he's teaching us as his disciples in the future from where he spoke about the kingdom of God. So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 25 and we'll read verse 14. And this is what many of you will have heard maybe in your youth or in your times of Christian. If you've come across it at some point, it's called the parable of the talents. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, and you, you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. 
for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just before we actually go into that passage, um, let's consider what Jesus is saying here. We need to try and fully grasp the gravity of what is going on in these parts of Scripture. Just go back to chapter 24, verse 3 with me for a moment. Let me read just this verse here. It says, Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us what will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them. You see, the thing that gets me every time I read these narratives about Jesus's life, my mind is blown by simple sentences like this. These human beings, these disciples, just like me and you, they were able to approach Jesus. They were able to greet him for him to reply to them and just converse with them. That blows my mind every time I read these passages. See, we believe as Christians that the historical Jesus Christ, this real man of Nazareth, he was no normal human being. He was God incarnate, which means he came to earth fully as a human being. He became flesh. He is the deity clothed in full humanity. And here he is with his friends on a hillside with olive trees surrounding them. And he's chatting about the things he's most passionate about. He's chatting about the kingdom of God. He's chatting about his father in heaven. He's chatting about his relationship with these disciples, with humanity. This is mind-blowing stuff when you really think about it. That the God of the universe, he's personal. Let's, Let's find that out in this passage today. He is a personal God. He isn't distant, like many people will say about the God of Christianity. He's personal. He isn't far off. He listens to us. He cares for what we think. And he cares for us. And you may say, Andy, I love Jesus, yes, but he's ascended to heaven. He's gone up to heaven. And I'd have loved to have been there with those disciples and have experienced what they experienced. See, what we believe as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. Christ Jesus is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is personal with us through the Spirit, the great helper. The disciples would have referred to Jesus as rabbi, as a rabbi. That's a Hebrew word for teacher. I quite like my students at school to call me rabbi. I feel like it holds more authority than the word teacher. Multiple times in the Gospels, we hear the crowds, they respond to Jesus's teaching and they say that they marveled and were amazed out with the things that Jesus said, his words held authority. So as we approach this parable, as we have done over the past few weeks, we need to realise that these words are coming from the authoritative rabbi, teacher, God, and that they come to us from a personal God who cares for us deeply. So as we read this passage, as we think about the parable of the talents this afternoon, they come from a God who cares for us. They come from a God who's personal, is our rabbi and wants us to learn from him. So let's listen then to what Jesus has to say to us this afternoon. Um, Often this parable is interpreted as the talents that God has given us. And that's one way that we could interpret it. Of course we could. But the word talent, if we translate it to the original meaning, the word in the uh, Greek is minas. 
It's a monetary term. So what we're reading here is a parable about money. And yes, we could read it as giving all our money to the service of God. Of course, maybe that's one way we could um, look at this sermon. But actually, this isn't really a message that's fully focused on giving our monetary uh, earnings to God. It's much deeper than that. Uh, Remember that Jesus uses hyperbole, a word that was explained nicely to us by Mark, and I'm not going to try and explain it to you. He's a very educated man. He understands the word better than me. But hyperbole means to exaggerate, to get a point across. And what Christ is saying to his disciples is he's saying that our entirety, our whole beings, our hearts, our souls, and this is the word that really gets across the meaning of this parable, must be invested, invested into the kingdom of God. I love what Mark said a few weeks ago, where he said that the focus of the kingdom of God is the king, the king. And that is no different to the parable that we're about to think about here. Our investment into the kingdom of God is to glorify the king. And so I've given this sermon a title today, The Kingdom of Heaven is Worth All of Our Investment. It's Worth All of Our Investment. Uh, have you ever considered investing in something before? I don't know whether anyone ever has. Um, but maybe a friend has pitched an idea to you, um, a business plan that they're confident in. Uh, they're confident it's going to take off. And they say, listen, Andy, I want you to invest in this great business opportunity. And maybe you thought, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You're not getting any of my money. Stay well away. Or maybe their business idea has actually been the smartest thing that you've ever heard of. And your response is, I'm in. I'm invested. I'm fully there. I'm going to show you two business opportunities and you think whether they took off or not. Harris, could you put the first picture on? This is what's known as the Slanket. Let me read this to you. This was created by Gary Clegg. The story goes that 17-year-old Gary Clegg was suffering through a particularly cold night in his dorm room watching TV when he decided to cut a hole in his blanket so that he wouldn't have to remove his hands from the covers to change the channel with his remote. Thus, the slanket was born. Put your hands up if you'd invest in that great business idea. One person. Just two people. Fantastic. Greg's first 1,200 sleeved blanket sold out in a few weeks. And within three months, his product was being sold everywhere from Brazil uh, to the other side of the world. Over 350 million worth, pounds worth of slankets and their global equivalents. Snuggies, which I bought one during first lockdown, have been sold worldwide. So we had two people who invested. You thought it was a good idea and everybody else thought it was terrible. £350 million. What about the next one? A pet rock. Maybe some of you older folks might remember this from the 1980s. This was created by Gary Dahl. Advertised as the only pet that will never run away. Uh, the pet rock took America by storm in 1975, generating over £10 million within the first six months and making creator Gary Dahl an overnight millionaire. And this is genuine, this actually sold. But people looked at that and thought, I can make money from that. And they invested in Gary's uh, business idea. Now these business ideas, whilst not being the most groundbreaking ideas, some would maybe call them stupid, they required investors, people to go, I'm back in that, I'm all in. And they believe in that idea. See in this parable, Jesus called his disciples on that hillside, surrounded by olive trees, to invest their lives into God's business. And he's calling you and I to do the same this afternoon. He's calling me and you to invest into the business of God. So there's three points I'd like us to 
uh, think about this afternoon. Um, could you just put the first one on for us, Karis? In fact, put all three on. Might as well put all three on. Firstly, the master provides us with a great investment opportunity. Secondly, investing in the master's business is a great call. And the third one, lack of investment is not a good call. It will make us spiritually bankrupt. So the first one, the master provides us with a great investment opportunity. Verse 14 and 15, let's read this together. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each according to his own ability. Then he went away. See, the master gives each of his servants money, minus in varying amounts. What does the master want his servants to do with that money? He wants them to invest it, to use it well, to believe in the master's business. Jesus is asking his disciples into the business of the kingdom of God. And he wants their lives to be fully invested into it. If you follow Christ, if you're sat there this afternoon, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he calls you into investment to value his kingdom more than anything else. So what does it mean to be invested into the kingdom of God? To be an investor is to be a part of the kingdom of God. If you are born again, you may have heard that phrase many times before. If you are born again into the family of God, that makes you an investor into the kingdom of God. You don't have to turn there. But in Ephesians chapter 2, it's probably my favourite passage uh, of all time. Verse 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Faith, belief in God is a gift. Not by works, so that no one can boast. See, it's Jesus who brings us into this investment into the business of God through his work of salvation in his death and resurrection. Only God can open our eyes to that. We can't do that. So if that is you, you have been made an investor. Naturally, Christ Jesus, the, kingdom of, uh, the king of kings, he becomes the king and the priority in your life. See, these two servants, they loved the master's work. Notice how they respond to the master. He gives them the money and they get to work. They get going. They put the money, what he gave them, they put it into the master's business. And what is the business of Jesus Christ? Jesus makes it very clear in all of his teachings what his business is. I suppose it could be summed up in a few things that he says. In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. John 15, 12, 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than to let someone lay down his life for his friends. Luke chapter 2, 49 says, And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus' business, for those of us who are investors in the kingdom of God, for us to invest in, to get involved in, is love, compassion, self-sacrifice, and ultimately glorification of the Father in heaven. This is what the Christian, the investor is now in the business of. That's what you, you and I, if you are a believer in Jesus, that's what you have been brought into. That's what naturally is the overflow of knowing Christ Jesus. If your eyes have been opened, like Paul on the road to Damascus, if they've been opened, you are now in the kingdom, in the king's business. And our lives should reflect his work 
And there is no better work, no better business to have been called into. Jesus then says in verse 19, if you look at that. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants, he came and settled accounts with them. The master settles accounts with the servants. He returns. It's not that he's just gone and left them to it. He's coming back. And he returns and he wants to see how they've used the money that he gave them. Jesus is saying that he's going to return. And he will see how we've used our time on this earth. What have we ultimately invested our lives into? And that brings us on to the second point. Investing in the master's business is indeed a great call. Verse 14 to 16. For it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Uh, To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. See, the two servants who had invested, they are eagerly waiting for the master's return here. They're waiting for him. They want to show him their work. Now, I've only been married for a year, and from my very little experience of married life, I can relate to this waiting in return of somebody vastly important. Gents, have you ever done a job in the house and you're so proud of what you've done? Uh, you're waiting for your, your wife to return and see the brilliant job that you've done, only to realise that when she returns, you've forgotten to do the one job that she told you to do, which was to take the bins out. Been there many times. Um, but these servants are waiting eagerly for the return of the master. And I think both of the servants would have had varying thoughts on the master's return. Maybe they would have thought, I've shown investment. He's going to be pleased with the way I've invested. I can't wait to show him what I've done. I've invested, but it's not as much as maybe the other servants. What if he isn't pleased? I'm nervous for his return. Maybe these things were running through the mind of these servants. We know the master represents the nature of Jesus in this parable. Look at how he responds to the servants. Look at how he responds to both of them um, in verse 20 and 23. See if you can spot a difference in the way that he speaks to them. And he who had received the five talents came forward and he brings them to the master. And in verse 21, Jesus says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. And he who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Do we see a difference? There's no difference, is there? The response is the same. Jesus, he sees both of the servants as being faithful. He loves their fruitfulness. He rewards them both equally and he welcomes them both into the paradise, into paradise, into heaven, into the joy of the master. See, those of us who are followers of Christ and investors into the kingdom, we will be praised identically. Despite, and this is where you could have taken the parable, despite the levels of talents, skills and varying multiplication of those talents and I often find myself like the servant who's questioning the amount of fruit in my life. I don't know whether that's, it it resonates with those of you who are believers there. You're sat there thinking, what have I done? Have I done as much as this person or that? I often compare myself maybe to the greats, the super faithful men and women. 
And I want us this morning just to be encouraged by this. Firstly, we are all saved by the same grace. We're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Our decision to invest is a gift that comes from our salvation. You think of the the dying thief on the cross. He had no time, no ability to produce any good works. And yet Christ calls him into paradise. He calls him into the kingdom of heaven. And secondly, the little that God has given you or me in gifting, maybe he's blessed you with uh, really amazing gifts and maybe some of us, like me, maybe we have less or whatever it may be. We should make sure that we faithfully multiply uh, those gifts, investing into the kingdom. And he says to them that he is pleased and he will say to us that he is pleased and he'll tell me that one day face to face and he will tell you that one day face to face and he will say well done good and faithful servant the same words that he says to simon peter the same words that he says to paul the apostle the same words that he says to mary magdalene to the faithful martyrs through the ages each of us will receive that same uh, accommodation at the end of time uh, at the judgment that he will say well done good and faithful servant and i want to want to ask us this afternoon are we striving to hear those words are those words that we want to hear we want to hear those words uh, at the end of time at the end of our lives um, we don't hear those words through our own works but like a husband who cleans the kitchen because he loves his wife like the investor who pours money into the business concept because he truly believes in the product are we striving for god's kingdom and the joys of the master And the third point, lack of investment is not a good call. It will make us spiritually bankrupt. See, let's not get it twisted. Uh, What we read at the end of Jesus's parable are some of the most terrifying words that come out of Jesus's ministry. In verse 24, it says, He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. And gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. And give it to the him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, the final servant, he's not condemned uh, and punished because he has failed to reach a certain target. That's not why he was condemned. It's because he didn't, it's not because he didn't turn his minus into five minuses. That's not why. It's because he didn't invest in the master's business. It's because he didn't believe in his master's business. We can interpret scripture with scripture and we know that the word of God says that we cannot lose the gift of salvation. So this unwilling investor, he's not like the other two servants. He's not like the first two. See, he never believed in his master's cause. Otherwise, he would have invested. Jesus is telling us that this servant represents all those who ultimately, in the end, never called Jesus as their saviour and their master. 
and their king. They never valued the business of the master of this universe. So the master says in verse 27, he could have done something about it. He could have given his talent to the bankers to receive interest. There's something that, he, that could have been done. But no, the servant, he's described as wicked. He's described as slothful. He is called worthless. He's cast into outer darkness where there is only sadness, distress and sadness, distress and dismay. See, if you love Jesus, if you believe in him, that he is the son of God who removes your sin through his sacrifice and rose again, and that he is coming back and that you are seeking him and that you are invested into his business. If you can say that that is you this afternoon, then what that's describing is not you. It's an opportunity there to remind yourselves of the truth of the gospel, to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel. But if what has been described there is not you, Jesus is showing you here the condemnation that will be upon you. Jesus is God. He is the master of all things, the king of the kingdom of heaven. And all of humanity is subject to his rule and he is coming back again. You only have to look at chapter 25 and the, the latter part of it, which talks about judgment day, talks about that day where Christ will come again. And he says that he will judge and he will judge all those on the investment or whether they have invested or not into his kingdom. Those who have not, they will be found spiritually bankrupt. The servant needed to recognise the authority of the master, but he was slothful. He put off the day of his return. Don't do what he did. Don't be like the third servant. You see, the son of man and the son of God, Jesus Christ, he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to make a way for us. And if we were those people there that we just described there as people who love Jesus and love the business of the kingdom of God, then we have been brought into his kingdom. We have been saved by his, by his grace through faith. And that's not us, but the condemnation once sat upon us. It once sat upon our heads, but Christ stepped into this world and lived a life of perfection for us and died a cruel death. That's what we believe as Christians. He died a cruel death uh, to save us from the condemnation that was once upon us. And this is an opportunity for those of us who don't know him, who have never called him the master of our lives, the king of our lives, the, uh, the business master. If we never called him into our lives, this is an opportunity for us to do that today. So in application, just before we finish, for the investors, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ and we are invested into the kingdom and we know truly who he is, you are guaranteed the master's approval. We're guaranteed it. We will receive the master's approval. So don't strive out of fear. Don't strive out of pride either. We can take a breath. We can take a spiritual breath that we have the master's approval one day. He will say to us, good and faithful servants, enter into the, the joys of the master. You see, your giftings and abilities, they've been graciously given to you by a God who is sovereign in his ordinance. He's going to achieve what he requires for his kingdom through you. So again, breathe. Don't feel that weight of pressure upon you about bringing God's kingdom here on earth. He's going to use you. 
He has sovereignly ordained you in a time and place in this area of Liverpool or wherever you have, uh, have hailed from. He's going to use you as his person, as his investor in that place. So trust in him, trust in his sovereign ordinance, in the giftings that he has given you and serve him. So continue to invest in the kingdom of God. Continue to invest in his business, to love people, to care for people, to seek the lost, to disciple. That's what we've been called to do as investors into the kingdom. Love, care, seek the lost and disciple. And for those who aren't invested, your soul depends upon this decision. Your soul depends on what you call the master of the business, whether you call him your saviour and king or whether you reject him. And I, I implore us all to read the rest of the passage, the final judgment, because that is a true historical event that will happen in the future, that Christ will return and he will call all those to him who are his and he will send those who are not his to outer darkness and a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You need to recognise that your investment into all these other things in the world will never compare to the great investment opportunity that the creator of the world is offering you. Um, on Wednesday night, me and Ryan went to um, the Liverpool-Newcastle game and uh, I was highly invested into that, uh, into, in, in, into the game. Um, so unfortunately for Ryan, who is a Newcastle fan, Liverpool scored in the dying moments um, and I went crazy. I was fully invested into um, everything that was going on around there and the emotions. And then Liverpool played Everton yesterday and it just brought me back down to air. And it was just, it felt like the other night was a waste of time. It really did. See, the things of this earth don't satisfy. The things of, um, the material things of this earth, whilst many of them are good things, they're not worth investing your entirety into. The only thing that is worth investing into is the kingdom of God. The thing that will last forever and the thing that will be eternal and that we, if you are a follower of him, you'll be with him for eternity. So we have been offered the incredible opportunity of being deeply involved in God's business, which is beyond material things, which is heavenly and which is righteous. So can I implore us this afternoon, let's invest more and more into the things of God. And if we don't know him, ask him, talk to him, um, Ask him into your life. If you aren't, aren't certain, just pray to him and he will answer. He will answer. Take this opportunity today to, uh, to call out to him and find the, the, the master, the king of all things. Um, I'll pray and uh, Ryan will lead us through communion. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these parables. Um, thank you that they point us towards uh, deeper heavenly things, spiritual things. Thank you that they point us to Jesus and they point us to who he is and what he did for us. Um, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to invest into you, invest into the kingdom of God and to see that you are worth so much more um, than all uh, things in this earth. So help us to, uh, to call out to you today and uh, please help us to serve you with all of our being. And those who don't know you, I pray that they will call out to you. They would see you as being worth uh, so much more uh, than earthly things and that you would uh, call them to uh, call you into their life, we pray.